We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you catch kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromwell. I hope all of you had wonderful Easter Sundays and Passover Seders. And we are now just over one week away from my Christmas, my Hanukkah, the 2022 NFL Draft with a lot of great podcasts and content headed your way in that amount of time. Three more stops on our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour. A discussion of all the big last-minute draft buzz, plus our fifth and final mock draft with Carmen Vitale of the Draft Network. A special interview with Chicago Bears center Cody Whitehair and our annual live stream on nights one and two of the draft, which will also be an effort to raise money to help the brave, inspiring people of Ukraine. But now... We make our sixth of eight stops on that aforementioned divisional tour in the epicenter of the NFL's historic trade bonanza this spring, the AFC West. And this could easily be the most talented division in NFL history. And what can the Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, and Chiefs do to get even better in the draft? Joining us to answer that question and a lot more is our good friend, Carl Dummler of Mile High Huddle. Welcome back to the program, Carl. How are you doing, my man? Hey, I'm doing great. Just got out of soccer practice, actually. And so feeling the the endorphins of running for about an hour there. And and obviously the endorphins of getting to talk the AFC West. And like you said, it's just it is the who's who of football. Uh, You could have an entire Pro Bowl just off the AFC West rosters. And I think it would beat the rest of the NFL combined. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. And without further ado, let's break these teams and their draft needs down. Starting out with the team that you cover and my favorite team in the NFL, it's uh, the Broncos one bears one B the Denver Broncos, of course, who began that trade bonanza by trading for Russell Wilson. And in that trade, they opened up a window in which they can regularly contend for the playoffs. However, they still have several areas of their roster and urgent need of upgrades before they can be considered legit Super Bowl contenders in the eyes of many uh, myself included. Yet we know how fast these windows tend to close, and therein lies the dilemma for the Broncos in this draft. Yes, they don't have their one and original second, but they still have five picks in the top 150, and like around pick 50 to 150 is where the meat of this draft is. And if you're GM George Payton, do you use those five picks you currently have in the top 150 to move up 10 to 15 picks in the second round to select a day one difference maker that falls Or do you trade back and accumulate more draft capital, including 2023 picks? And keep in mind, I think the Broncos, as of right now, only have four or five of those picks for next year. Right. No, I kind of go towards the George Payton way of thinking. And I want as many darts to throw at the board as possible. Even if they're not as good of darts, I, I like the chances of at least one of them hitting. And so if I'm doing anything, I'm probably trading back more than trading up. Like if there is a player that gets there, especially at the edge position, because it's still a major concern for the Broncos, especially with Randy Gregory just having his surgery. I And obviously, Chubb is just coming off of injury. We don't know what he's going to be moving forward. Uh, I, I just That's the only position that I'm willing to trade up for at this point. Otherwise, I'm working to trade back, like you said, get that 2023 capital, because if they only have those four or five picks, that's not a whole lot. George Payton's going to want more than that. And, and I think there's going to be some teams we're obviously seeing teams are willing to wheel and deal left and right. I mean, draft picks, they're just throwing them everywhere. And if the Broncos could get a couple of those for that 2023 draft, please do that. Yes. And uh, Peter King in his uh, column this week 
uh, said that he expects the trade market on draft night to be just as wild as what we saw in early March. And uh, he figures that the Broncos are going to be big players in that market one way or the other. But given George Payton's history, he's going to more likely look to move down than up barring a miracle on the, the board of that position that you alluded to. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know what's all happened. I guess the Rams trading away all of their picks made teams go, you know what, if they can do it and win a Super Bowl, I guess we can do it and maybe win a Super Bowl. You know, I, I don't usually like to always copy everything that a Super Bowl team does. You know, there, there's multiple ways to go about winning a Super Bowl. But at the same time, if, if you see a player you like, don't be afraid to make that trade for sure. Yes. And now moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers and heading into the spring, the plan all along, regardless of what the Broncos did at quarterback, was to weaponize the advantage of still having Justin Herbert on his rookie contract. And boy, did they ever. Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley knew that very terrible defensive play cost them a playoff berth. So what did the Chargers do? They trade for Khalil Mack. I'm going to be giving them the best pass rush duo in the entire NFL with him and Joey Bosa. And they signed the biggest corner to hit the free agent market in recent years in Mr. INT himself, J.C. Jackson. So now... You have a Chargers defense with Bosa and Mack coming off that edge, Jackson locking down the perimeter, and Derwin James not allowing you to attack the middle of the field. When you add all of that to the explosive offense they currently have, are the Chargers, at least on paper, currently the most talented team in the AFC West? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could easily make that argument. They, they've had that distinction many years. When you think of like the Phillip Rivers and Tomlinson and uh, – you know, they, they just had talent on top talent there for a while in the mid two thousands, and yet they still couldn't get it done. And so while it's good on paper, the other thing I would argue on some of that is a lot of those top players, they're injury prone. Doran James, when's the last time he was able to play an entire season, Khalil Mack, he's been up and down injury wise. Joey Bosa has been in and out of lineups at times. So, you know, there's still some of that. Can you trust them all to stay healthy for an entire season? But they are still a super talented team. They, with that rookie quarterback contract, they can do so many different things. They got themselves a great franchise left tackle, and, and they still have the draft capital to go fill in a couple of those other holes that they still have on this team. So, uh, you know, they, they are, they're, they're looking very good. Yes, but one of those uh, glaring remaining holes on that roster is the right tackle position. And I mentioned this as a possibility with uh, Mark Schofield on our last episode. The Giants at five and the Panthers at six could be looking to move back. The Panthers, because especially if they want a quarterback like a Kenny Pickett or Desmond Ritter, it's best for them to move back and get more picks because currently they are not slated to pick again until the fourth round. And the Giants want to uh, trade back and get an extra first next year so they have the ammo to move up and get a quarterback, assuming Daniel Jones does not take a gigantic a step forward. I think the chargers are a very underrated candidate to move up that far. If they are selling picks five and six and Kima Kwanu and Evan Neal are still on the board. If you're Tom Telesco, do you highly consider making that move? Oh, for sure. You know, you're, you're showing one, you are investing in your franchise quarterback. I think one of the, the biggest things that I hate to see is a team that takes a quarterback in the top five and then they do nothing to actually help that quarterback. I, I think of like Sam Darnold with the Jets. They, they kept investing in the defense and maybe a little bit in some weaponry. And then finally, they got himself a, a left tackle, but it's already too late for his career. Uh, you know, there's plen plenty of other quarterbacks. So if you can go get a guy like Equono to play that right tackle spot, 
you feel really, really good about being able to set up your quarterback for incredible success moving forward. Oh, yeah. Talk about lining Aquano or Evan Neal or even Charles Cross at right tackle opposite from Rashawn Slater. You got a powerhouse tackle tandem to keep Justin Herbert's jersey squeaky clean. Yeah. And, and like I said, anytime you can help build the confidence of a young quarterback, I, I think of Mahomes in the division. He went into the perfect situation. They had two good tackles. They obviously had a great coach that was offensive minded, that played to his kind of strengths, had wide receiver Tyree Kill that they just now traded. Uh, of course, Travis Kelsey at the tight end position. They went out and drafted some other wide receivers to help him out. And, and they just they did everything to make sure that Patrick Mahomes could be a great quarterback. And so, again, I, I think the Chargers are looking at that and what what the Chiefs did and said, hey, they won a Super Bowl. They've been the top team in, in the AFC for a long time. If we can go do something like that, too, might as well go ahead and do that. Take a chance now. Indeed, their window to capitalize is now with Herbert's uh, rookie deal on its uh, two remaining years, or if not one remaining year before they're going to have to pay up big time for Justin Herbert, if not a fully guaranteed deal, because in my opinion, he deserves more guarantees than Deshaun Watson got. He just does. That's all there yeah. is to it. And uh, after the Broncos and Chargers made their power moves via trade and free agency, everybody was dismissing the Raiders as the worst team in the division by far. But just like that, new head coach Josh McDaniels and new GM Dave Ziegler said, not so fast. They signed Chandler Jones to form another lethal pass rush duo with Max Crosby. And a day later, they traded their first and second round picks this year for Devontae Adams, reuniting him with his best friend from college in Derek Carr. And this was uh, something that really didn't catch me by surprise in the end because uh, Devontae Adams was really thinking about joining up with Derek Carr and the Raiders for well over a year. So uh, it wasn't a, a shock at all. And after that, some were proclaiming the Raiders as legit Super Bowl contenders, but just like the aftermath of the Broncos trade for Russell Wilson, several threw cold water on that idea. While the Raiders may indeed have a scary pass rush tandem and arguably the best cachet of offensive weapons of the entire NFL, their offensive line and secondary remain very troublesome. And in addition, uh, several notable writers in football minds said that trading for Devontae Adams is riskier than many would think. Why would you think that's the case, aside from punting on the first two rounds of this year's draft? Well, one, he's starting to get up there a little bit in age. I mean, he's not old, old by any means, but you're, you're paying him for a lot of past production compared to what he could be moving forward. And I would add, you've also now just paid him big time money. So that means the rest of your roster is going to be hurt. Is it, is it a good idea to pay a wide receiver huge money like that? I would probably fight against that. I think there's so many great wide receivers coming out of college football that you just don't need to go out and pay this guy buku bucks like that. He's a talented player. Don't get me wrong, but you could also be arguing part of it is having the greatest quarterback in football and Aaron Rodgers thrown to you for mo for his entire career. So yeah, I, I think for the Raiders, this was kind of more risk than I would be willing to take trading a first and second round pick and giving him a big contract. That, that is asking a lot of this guy to go out there and still be the top wide receiver for the next four or five years here in, in the NFL. Yeah, and uh, also uh, Chandler Jones, uh, as much as I love Chandler Jones, and I think he'll be very good at, at least playing the Robin to Max Crosby's Batman, uh, I think uh, he's uh, a, a little riskier than anything, too. He, he's no spring chicken. He's uh, 32 years old. And uh, last year, uh, he kind of showed some effects of father time. He can't be that lead guy in the pass rush anymore. Right. Yeah, he had his one huge game where he had like four or five sacks. And then the rest of the year had about five sacks total. And uh, I'm not saying sacks are the end all be all of pass rushers by any means. But, you know, usually once you hit that 30 year window, 
that's where uh, one of those positions that you start seeing some decline, just like wide receivers. Another one, you don't see a lot of 30 and older wide receivers doing big things in the NFL. Most everybody is 28 years and younger. Indeed, Carl. And if you disagree with the Raiders approach and trading for a star receiver, you might've agreed with the chiefs approach. The chiefs have obviously won six consecutive AFC West titles, but that streak couldn't be more in jeopardy. Not only did the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders get better, the Chiefs arguably got worse as they decided to trade Tyree Kill, one of the most game-changing offensive players in modern NFL history, to the Miami Dolphins. Although that trade gives Kansas City 12 picks total in this draft, including six in the first three rounds, how they use them to retool their roster is not going to be as simple as adding another wide receiver to for Patrick Mahomes. This year's wide receiver class is a tad overrated, at least in the eyes of Lance Zierlein, who I respect tremendously, and uh, some other major draft analysts. Kansas City's defensive depth chart right now it's a mess. And when you look at this Chiefs team currently, arguably the biggest strength on that team outside of the best quarterback in football at Patrick Mahomes, the, the offensive line, especially that interior offensive line, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, a Trey Smith. Oh my goodness. They have an opportunity here, in my opinion, to play to that strength of that roster. Can you see Brett Beach capitalizing on that strength by using this draft to build the Chiefs into more of a physical bully ball team and that doesn't necessarily mean take the ball away from Patrick Mahomes it just means be more physical you could you could definitely coexist being physical and having an elite quarterback you could I I would argue the biggest problem with that idea would be Andy Reid he does not like to play that style of football never has (laughs) even in games where it sets up perfect for them to do that where they're averaging five six yards a carry and just being able to move it down the field he just gets that itch that he has to throw the ball to win and, and I understand when you have Patrick Mahomes, especially you want to throw the ball to win. And uh, so I think that would be the one thing that would hold them back from going that direction, but you're right. I think it could be a great thing for them to, to make a little bit of a switch, help protect Patrick Mahomes a little bit more. I mean, he's been taking a lot of hits over the years here with his you know style of play and, and also just kind of keeping teams honest where they actually have to stay up and play the line of scrimmage. Uh, the best teams against the chiefs last year were the ones that had good interior defensive linemen that can hold the line of scrimmage and be able to play those dime packages. And, you know, the, the Bengals in the second half of, of the playoff game were able to do that where they were able to hold the line of scrimmage and then have coverage in the back. And uh, so I, I think the chiefs would be smart to do it. I just don't think that they will do it. He is Carl Dumbler, ladies and gentlemen, follow him on Twitter at Carl Dumbler, M H H and catch the podcast that he co-hosts with another good friend of the podcast, Nick Kendall, Building the Broncos. And now, Carl, uh, it is time for the most fun part of our Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour. We're going to let you play GM for all four of these AFC West teams. And we start with our Denver Broncos. We are on the clock now at 64, and let's see who's available here. Jalen Petrie is still available uh, uh, with uh, Kareem Jackson. He's back, but only on a one-year deal. Kane Stern still relatively unproven. Uh, he would make an excellent long-term addition for a running mate opposite Justin Simmons. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, Chad Muma, Trey McBride. Uh, this is too early for the Broncos to draft a tight end, even though a lot of people think they'll draft it because of his Colorado roots. Uh, but I think uh, Dylan Parham, the Broncos want to replace uh, – Lloyd Cushenberry at center based on the draft visits they've been having. Uh, Dylan Parham might make sense here. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see what edge is available. Edge. Uh, Kingsley Abari, Drake Jackson, Nick Benito, Sam Williams. I think uh, where else should we look now? Corner? Uh, yeah, look at cornerback. That'd be a good position. Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt. This could be a 
pretty good spot for him. Uh, a lot of people think the 49ers would be happy to have him at 61. Uh, but if you don't like the corner board, uh, let's. Uh, I, I mean, it, I, I think I see the guy that I want. Um, who? I I would go Petrie. Jalen Petrie, absolutely. Yeah. He, uh, he he uh, he would be an underrated component of the Broncos teams because uh, even with the new defensive coordinator, they're keeping most of the Fangio scheme intact. And for that scheme, you need two interchangeable safeties. Exactly. And, and he has the ability to come and play some slot corner if you need him to do some of that. I, I think he would be an, an amazing pick for the Broncos at that point. Fits that just kind of Swiss army knife of the secondary. You know, you've got your great outside corners. Now you need to fill out the inside. I just think the, the Broncos would be very, very happy with if he fell to 64 there. Yes. And let's see, uh, they, they're not taking a quarterback here. And uh, no trades in this exercise, just to let you know, but I guess definitely see George Payton trading if the board looks anything remotely close to this. Uh, Darren Kennard, I don't think he's a scheme fit for what the Broncos want to do. Uh, Drake Jackson and Nick Benito are the best two edges on the board. Uh, Troy Anderson, now this could make sense for some reasons. Number one, the Broncos want Baron Browning to play more of a Micah Parsons type role this year by lining him up at edge more. Uh, and he definitely has the athletic traits that you uh, want to bet on uh, to do that. But you're going to have to add a similar athlete at the linebacker position to let him roam around. And Troy Anderson is exactly that athlete. And heck, his RAS score is even higher than Baron Browning's. Baron Browning's <laughs> was super high. Yeah, my, my one concern today, it actually came out. They were talking about his, his shoulder, Yeah, that he re-injured his shoulder. And so I'm kind of wondering if that could make him fall down the board quite a bit uh, here for a little bit. Um, another guy that kind of made some sense there, Kate Otten, the, the tight end from Washington. I think he fits well with that, that in line, why tight end? I, I know tight end's not a big thing of what Russell Wilson likes to do, but he is a great blocker. He's a great all around tight end and, and just gives the Broncos some options of what they could do on offense. Not my top choice. I, I'm not saying pick him there. Uh, Tendale's another one that would be good. Uh, Taylor Britt would make a lot of sense here. Uh, you know, with his just physicality that he brings to the table, James Cook. Ooh, yep, I think that would be my pick, James Cook. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, I listened to uh, Nick's podcast this morning, and he said he wouldn't take James Cook at seventy-five, but he would take him at ninety-six. Why do you think he's wrong here? Well, I think I think the Broncos need a, a second running back more than people realize. I, I'm I'm good with Boone. But it's not like I'm, I'm all that excited about that idea. I, I think you add a guy like Cook, he adds so much dynamic ability to the offense. I mean, we saw with Georgia, they would put him out there at outside wide receiver sometimes. You know, it, it just, and he would make plays down the field as a wide receiver. And so I think, like I said, he's got three down ability. He can be a starting running back if you need him. Uh, you really, you need two starting running backs in today's NFL, especially with the 17 game schedule. I, I love Williams. I do. He's going to be a great running back for the Broncos. But if you expect him to take on 400 carries this year, you're in trouble. He's never been that back. He's always split carries with somebody, even in college in North Carolina, he was splitting with Michael Carter. Oh, definitely. And another reason why I would agree with you over Nick here is uh, that uh, James Cook is the ideal complement to Javante Williams. And there's been rumblings that George Payne, who was very instrumental in drafting his uh, big brother, Dalvin, uh, in Minnesota, uh, he has similar hots for him uh, 
That's what at least the rumor has. And with the concerns about Russell Wilson and his play style and not uh, being able to age as gracefully as other quarterbacks because of it, the best way for the Broncos to elongate the career of Russell Wilson is to give him a running game. Uh, Let Russ cook doesn't necessarily mean throw the ball 40 times a game. No, it means throwing the ball at the right time and running the ball at the right time. That's what uh, Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett did for Aaron Rodgers to help him uh, overcome declining athleticism. And I think the same basic blueprint could be in place for Russell Wilson in Denver. Oh, for sure. You know, you look at Green Bay, they had two running backs that they trusted very much with the football. And when you start getting ahead in games early, you know, what you expect with Russell Wilson, and you need a running game that can take over and, and do some some damage. So this is something that I'd be very excited for the Broncos to, to end up with with James Cook. Yeah, and we are on pick 96. The second pick, they got the Von Miller trade. And uh, Channing Tindall still on the board. Uh, Jeremy Rucker, Greg Dolchich, if you want to go tight end. Cole Strange, like I said, they want to replace Lloyd Cushenberry at center. He could be tremendous value here. And he could go even earlier than this. Uh, Jake Ferguson, uh, Kyle Phillips, Martin Emerson, if you want a corner from Mississippi State. Uh, let's check the edge board. Uh, Tyreek Smith or Maja Sanders. I like D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's an energizer bunny on the field. He doesn't know what he's doing half the time. I mean, he's just kind of running into people and running all over the field. If you can get that guy trained up after a year, you know, have him as that backup that can come in on a few plays, help out. Um, yeah, I, I think that would probably be one of my top choices for sure. Um, I guess another position I'd like to look a little bit is linebacker. So uh, Channing was... Tindall, I believe, is still on the board. Okay. That wouldn't be a, a terrible choice for the Broncos for sure. Let me see. Yeah, Channing Tindall. Okay. It would probably be between those two guys for me. So make a decision, George. <laughs> I'll go Channing Tan- Tindall here, and I'm going to hope. Tindall. I'm going to hope that my other guy falls a little bit. Definitely. And, uh, but uh, this is only a three round mock. And now we are on the clock with the chargers at 17. Jamison Williams is still on the board here. And Trevor Penning is still on the board. That said, uh, Trevor Penning might sound appealing because of his play, but he's still very raw. And Jamison Williams, I think if you add him to that wide receiver stable with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, they could be an even better receiving core than the Raiders for crying out loud. No offense to Devontae Adams or Hunter Renfro, but that threesome could very well be just as scary, if not scarier, than Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro. What do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go Jameson Williams. He's one of those few players that you sit there and say he could become a top 10 wide receiver in this game and just make teams go, what in the world? And Keenan Allen's starting to get up there in age. You're going to be starting to look to replace him. I think this would be just a, a perfect fit for them. I, 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 I would hate this so much as a, a Bronco person. I, I, I <laughs> but, uh, but it makes all the sense of the world for the Chargers because, as you mentioned, Keenan Allen is getting up there in age. And uh, uh, to answer my question, uh, do you think uh, putting Jamison Williams into that uh, group with uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams gives them just as good of a receiver group as the Raiders? Almost. It, it's it, it, I mean, we got to still see James Williams in the NFL. You know, that, that's the big thing that the Raiders have over everybody else right now is they have proven guys, you know, like the Broncos, you think Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick are all going to be great with Russell Wilson. You know, they've never got to play with a great quarterback. 
but they've never actually shown it on the field. So you can't sit there and say for sure that they're going to be yeah. dynamic. Yeah, you need to see it first. And you also got to keep in mind, Jameson Williams is coming off a torn ACL. Right. So he, uh, even if he is ready for week one, as people expect, he might not be at full speed to start the season. Exactly. And uh, now we're back on the clock here for the Chargers. Uh, Leo Chennault from Wisconsin is the best player on the board. Uh, uh, outside of tackle, where do you think this roster needs more? could use more help? Could they use another corner on the boundary opposite J.C. Jackson? Yeah, they could. I would also say interior defensive line. They were terrible against stopping the run last year. Yeah, would be a position from Alabama uh, still on the board. But you also already got Sebastian Joseph Day, and he is a run stuffer extraordinaire. He is. Um, you need some. You need some depth at edge as well. Like I said, cornerbacks another position that they could be looking at. Uh, Tyreek Smith, MyG Sanders, D'Angelo Malone, and Sam uh, Williams from Ole Miss. Oh, uh, I'd probably go Sam Williams. He's got some off the field concerns for sure. But if you're, if you're talking just tape alone, the guy is easily a second round pick in this draft, very talented edge rusher. I think, I think that's a direction that they'd love to go. I would absolutely agree. And uh, I think uh, Sam Williams uh, could very well be highly considered for the Broncos four picks earlier. If, if it comes to that. Yeah. The Broncos have shown that they seem very, averse to staying away from players with those off-field concerns. Uh, maybe he's answered their questions and, and he'll be one of those first players that they really take a chance on, on with the off-field stuff. But, um, but yeah, otherwise, I, like I said, I think the Chargers are willing to take some chances. This is, their, this is their window to take some risk. And I think he'd be one of those players worth it. Yes, and we are approaching the Raiders' lone pick in this three-round mock at 86 overall. And I think uh, the first uh, position group that uh, Dave Ziegler and Justin Downs would like to take a look at is offensive line because you uh, just uh, paid Derek Carr all that money, although not a lot of it's guaranteed. Uh, you still want to protect Derek Carr because he's not the best quarterback at hiding an offense, a suspect offensive line. And uh, let's see who we got. Uh, uh, you want to go tackle or interior? I, I would go tackle. I think you can do a little more to help on the interior on some things. It's hard to cover up as yeah, much uh, for the tackle projects. Rashid Walker, but Zach Tom though, Zach Tom, I believe projects best as a interior guy, but here's what makes Zach Tom so appealing. Uh, his uh, 40 yard shuttle time was 4.47 seconds or faster. And Josh Norris uh, did a research project on offensive linemen who have recorded uh, such a time in that drill and the hit rate was staggering, like 86% yeah. of them went on to have lengthy careers in the NFL. And uh, I think if uh, Abraham Lucas gets pushed up the board because of that, Zach Tom could get pushed up the board because of this. Oh, for sure. You know, uh, teams are banking on the idea of athleticism in today's NFL. It, it's, it's what's king. I mean, the Broncos have their own RAS board that they, they've built up. It's pretty close to actually what the RAS is. If you look at what they did last year in the draft. Yeah. Everybody had very high RS scores. And, and so Zach Tom, yeah, I think he'd fit well with what McDaniels wants to do and making them a very, very athletic team that just challenges teams all over the field. Um, you know, maybe it's a little early for him because he is a project and, you know, they need secondary help as well. That's the other area that I'd be looking at other than offensive line. Uh, Marcus Jones is still available, but he has shoulder problems like uh, Troy Anderson. That, right. That's giving teams fits. Uh, there's Cole strange again, oh, Cole strange. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I probably would go with him. I think he's, 
he's got an opportunity there to start pretty quick for him. Um, and I, I think they'd be pretty happy about that. Yeah, Cole Strange is the Raiders' lone pick in this three-round mock. And now on to the busiest mock of the stop on the Dash of Dread Visual Tour, the Kansas City Chiefs. We are on the clock at 29 overall. Uh, they don't need interior offensive line help. They don't need a quarterback. Kyer Elam from Florida. Boye Mafe from Minnesota. Uh, like I said, the Chiefs, it's not just wide receiver for them right now. They need to revamp that defense. And I think Boye Mafe would make tremendous sense at this juncture. Don't you? Uh, I, I would cry if I saw them take Mafe. You know, that, that's how I always judge another team in the division. If they take a player that would make me upset that they took him. And Mafe would be one of those guys for sure. Yeah. So should he be the pick at uh, 29? Yeah. Yep. And uh, that was the pick they got from the Dolphins in the Tyree Kill trade. And uh, we are now back on the clock at 30 overall, two two picks in a row. And uh, Kair Elam uh, is the best defensive player on the board. Uh, Perry and Winfrey. Uh, uh, but I want to see if Travis Jones is still available. Is Travis Jones still here? Uh, I, it doesn't seem like he is. They draft network finally got this right They're, They finally <laughs> like uh, uh, put players that were rated way too low uh, back. Uh, oh, Travis Jones is still yep. here. Yep. There he is. And, and Chris inside. Oh my goodness. Uh, the chiefs could have the best pass rush of the division by 2023. And I'm not being hyperbolic. Yeah. I think that'd be a pretty good pick for him. I I've heard some first round rumors for him. And I think the Chiefs could easily be that team that's that's rumored for them. Because, like I said, they, they love that interior guy that can really push. I think he'd be a great complement with with Chris Jones. And like I said, if you got Mafe as well coming in there, they could really revamp that entire defense. And so, I yeah, let's go ahead and give him Travis Jones. Yeah, so Boye Mafe and Travis Jones to start off this uh, six-pick, three-round mock for the Kansas City Chiefs. And... Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I think he would be a happy man with those picks uh, because uh, he knows that a, a good defense can help a great quarterback too, as uh, you can learn from a uh, Peyton Manning with the Broncos 2015 or um, young Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Uh, if uh, the Chiefs uh, want to improve their defense and get slightly less dangerous weapons than what they've had in the past, uh, I think uh, Patrick Mahomes could uh, make it work with a roster like that. Yeah, it's not like they're completely void of talent there on the offense either in the weaponry. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, they, they're, they're no, a legit deep ball target, and Juju right. uh, can uh, catch those underneath routes all day. Right. So, like I said, they, they still have some decent guys. They just they don't they don't scare people quite like they did with Tyree Kill. All right. Oh, Brees Hall is still available here. If he, but you already drafted Clyde Edwards a layer early. But if Brees Hall falls this far, do you highly consider him here? I, I would think about it a little bit, but at the same time, I, probably Kenneth Walker would honestly be maybe my, my pick just because he has that dynamic weaponry of, I think, what did he run a four, three, eight. Is that right? Something like that. Uh, yes. And during he, the, uh, he, yes. And at wake forest, he was a very good third down back. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, adding that kind of weaponry, cause they, they love those speed guys, anybody that can cause separation, I think that would maybe be the direction they'd go a little bit more, but I, I think they would probably, I think they'd probably lean either wide receiver or secondary with this kind of pick at this point. Uh, Trey McBride is still on the board. He would make sense with uh, Travis Kelsey uh, getting a bit long of a tooth here. 
Yeah. And they could really change up the dynamic of how they attack teams, you know, where you, you think about the, the Patriots when they had two great tight ends, teams didn't know how to stop them. When you got those guys with that size, that speed, it, it's hard to, to stop them at that point. Um, so I, I think he makes a lot of sense for them. And I know a lot of, a lot of Bronco fans would be really upset if he went to the chiefs, but, um, I would probably, I think there was a cornerback that I really liked a corner Roger McCreary. Yeah. Uh, he would be a great pick for him. Tariq Woolen. I would probably take McCreary. I, I personally like him just a little bit more. Yeah. But, uh, so Roger McCreary, uh, Trey McBride, Kenneth Walker, the third, your pick Brett Beach. I will take McCreary. Yeah, Roger, Keep adding to that, that defense there. Yes, uh, the depth chart is currently a mess, and I think the Chiefs are going to highly prioritize it uh, with these uh, six picks in the first uh, three rounds. And we're back on the clock again at 62, and uh, Kenneth Walker III is still here. I think he made great sense. <laughs> yep, here. go for it. Yeah, I would say Kenneth go for Walker it. Kenneth Walker III, yeah. So patience paid off there. Oh, man. That, that would be, like I said, just adding that kind of dynamic weapon to all the speedsters that they still have on this roster. Good luck keeping up with that track team. Yeah, absolutely. Speed is the name of the game for the Chiefs, and they're going to go with whatever speed they can possibly get, even if it is a running back, to overcompensate for the uh, loss of uh, Tyree Kill. And uh, the Chiefs are going to be on the clock again right here at 94 overall for the uh, final pick of this mock. And uh, correction, they only have five picks in the first three rounds. Uh, for some reason, I thought they had an extra third, but uh, they do not. I think that comes in the fourth round. And uh, sh shall we take a look at the wide receivers still available? Uh, we, yeah. we, can't, we can't give them James Cook or Sam Williams because uh, we already gave them to the uh, Broncos and the Chargers, respectively. Uh, wide receiver, let's see who we have here. Kyle Phillips from UCLA, Wandale Robinson, Khalil Shakir, Alec Pierce. Uh, if you want a, a guy to compliment the speed guys, uh, Pierce could be a good guy. Velas Jones Jr. Now he's a speed guy. Yeah. I, if they want to keep adding to that speed, go for it. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that one too much. But uh, let's see. I guess, could you show me the tight ends? Just because I, I think that could still be a position, like you said, that they, they look pretty heavy at there. Oh, uh, Greg Dolchich, uh, um, super freakish athletic upside is still still here. Yeah, I, I think you'd be a great pick for him. And, and like I said, Travis Kelsey, he's got maybe one or two more great seasons left in him, possibly. After that, I think he's going to fall off a cliff pretty quick. Usually those athletic tight ends, they, they just don't last as long. And, and Travis Kelsey, as great as he is as an athlete, he's not great always with his hands. Like he's very up and down when it comes to, to catching the football in traffic. And so I just can't see him making that transition from athletic tight end to possession tight end. So um, uh, who is the pick here? Let's go with Greg Dolchich there. I think that would be a great one for him. Yeah, Greg Dolchich makes a lot of sense here. And I am mistaken. Oh, my God. Damn, Page turns on this word, Doc. The Chiefs do have another third-round pick at 103 overall. This is because of Ryan Poles becoming the new Bears GM with the uh, – Diversity uh, incentive. Uh, they get this uh, comp pick at 103. And so let's see what wide receivers are still here. Khalil Shakir, Alec Pierce, Velas Jones Jr. Uh, this is technically a um, fourth round pick you're making. And there's very little difference between 103 and 135. 
do you think uh, Velas Jones would be an ideal option to add more speed to that wide receiver unit and potentially be a weapon in the return game? Yeah, yeah. It, like I said, Tyreek Hill being gone, it, it's more than just being a wide receiver that's missing. He was a wide receiver. He was a running back. He was a returner. And so if you can get a guy that can help replace some of that, especially, like I said, wide receiver and returner, I think they'd be very happy about it. And like I said, just keeping those dynamic weapons with Patrick Mahomes, because that's that's what he wants. That's what he plays. That's his strengths. And so Vius Jones makes a ton of sense for the Chiefs here. Yeah, you see the pick? Yep, let's go for it. Vilas Jones concludes our three-round mock for the Kansas City Chiefs and this stop in the AFC West on our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour. He is Carl Dummler, ladies and gentlemen, of Mile High Huddle. Catch his work at milehighhuddle.com. Follow him on Twitter at Carl Dummler, M-H-H. Carl, thank you so much once again for joining us, and that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back soon with the seventh stop on our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour, the AFC South, so stay tuned. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and approved SportsCrunch.com, where my fourth mock draft of the 2022 cycle is now posted. For Carl Dummler, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and please, whatever you're doing, please keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool, and Slava Ukraini, glory to Ukraine. (laughs) 